Hello, welcome to River of Life, and I hope you're blessed and encouraged by our amazing worship. And uh, today I have this honor and just privilege to share again with our church, and I'm so excited for what God placed in my heart uh, and what the uh, pastor told me to preach. I need to put this into perspective, okay? Into <laughs> so I had two messages prepared, um, and I told Pastor Jake, and I said, listen, I'm so biased towards both of them. Uh, and I said, I have no idea what to preach. Like, really, like, I like both of them. And I said, Pastor Jake, this is your church. I'm here to serve you. And so you decide. Uh, so if you don't like the message today, <laughs> just saying, just saying. <laughs> uh, but he was just walking into prayer. He said, Mario, I'm going to pray about it. So I gave him the gist of it. And he texted me five minutes later, not even that much. And I was like, snap, this guy can hear from the Lord. I'm like, in a Christian way, jealous of him because five minutes later, he knew what I wanted to know for like five weeks, you know. But there you go. This is what he felt like I need to share. Uh, and uh, I also want to share with you about the men's chili cook-off that we had last week. And it was absolutely amazing. We had about 14, 15 different entries, uh, entries of chili, different kinds of chili. Um, and the youngest participant is actually the one that won. Uh, so there is hope for this country. Our genera young generation are capable of doing things. He won the first prize, which was a donated by Home Depot. It was a, a Weber grill. Uh, and so he was really excited of, of winning. And he assured me that he cooked it all by himself. Uh, and, and I believe him. Uh, speaking of chili, I mentioned to you guys that uh, it's not difficult to get this man excited about food. Uh, and so we had a lot of people coming, uh, but this is not the only difference between men and women. As you know, um, another one that I've noticed about myself is that I don't do well with interruptions. Um, biology, science has proven that women can do many things at once, which is called multitasking, and they have no problem with that. You can have a woman talking to another one in a party, and her husband is somewhere else, and she's talking, talking, and all of a sudden, um, no, honey, that's not true. Uh, the date was, and she continued, like, what? How, how did you, you know? Or she'll be on the phone, and yes, I know, baby. No, turn on this. No, no, no. And she's cooking at the same time. Can you bring me the salt? Yeah. Um, TV is too loud. Or, um, did you do your homework? And I'm like, what happened here? Like, she's like an octopus having like 12 different hands. And I am a typical guy. My wife knows that if I'm driving and she calls me, Guys, I get lost in about two minutes because my mind is not completely on the driving and I get lost. You, you give me one thing, hopefully I can do it well, maybe not, but two things and I'm lost. And speaking of interruptions, the title of my message this morning, it's called Divine Interruptions because God is really good with that. We're going to go today to the fifth chapter of Luke. And speaking of the fifth chapter, this is in the very beginning of the Gospel of Luke. And where we're going to find ourselves in today in this story, it's just after Jesus had called the 12 disciples. So they don't really know much. They were just picked by Jesus. They feel so privileged that they're going to be the pack of 12 that are going to be going on this amazing three-year journey with Jesus. 
And the story that we are going to be reading today is Luke 5, verses 17 to 26. And I will split it in half, so we'll stop in different portions and we'll, we'll talk about it. But again, what we are going to be reading and discussing, it is right after the 12 were picked. So they're very new and Jesus has just started into his ministry. And so we find ourselves in verse 17 of Luke 5. And this is where we read the following. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. So Jesus is teaching and this scripture says that Pharisees and teachers from all around the area, from Galilee and from Judea and from Jerusalem, they're the ones that these verses tell us have gathered around Jesus to hear him speak. Now, if you know anything about Pharisees and teachers, they're not there to agree with him. They're not there because they are so smitten by Jesus and they want to know and follow what he's teaching. They are there out of curiosity. Later in the scriptures, we're going to find out that they're actually there to trap him, to trip him up. So it's interesting that people can go to church or people want to hear about Jesus for the wrong reasons. They took the time and they took a very long trip, some of them, for the wrong reasons. So they're around Jesus. And make no mistake about it, Jesus knows exactly what they're there for. But what is astounding to me that Luke takes the time, and we know in Scripture everything is there for a purpose. It says that the power of God was with Jesus to heal. It's interesting that you can be right next to Jesus and not know that the power is with him because you're there for the wrong reasons. You can be around people and you can have the power of God on you. You can have the anointing of God in people around you have no clue. Because we know that the power of God makes a difference and you can have times in your life where people sense that there's something different about you and they can come and say, there's something different about you. Why are you always so happy? And you can say, well, let me tell you about Jesus. But there are moments of people who are around you with the wrong motives that they have no clue that the Holy Spirit lives in you. You can be one of the biggest evangelists in the world that have gone and God has used you to uh, save millions of people. And you can have somebody right there next to you on the flight that has no clue about who resides in you just because that person is there for the wrong reasons. Yeah. I feel so bad for them because sometimes I feel like, man, if I had been born 2,000 years ago and I can see Jesus, what would I ask him? I, it would just be so amazing to be next to him. And they were right there next to him. They had traveled. They had gone there because they knew his teaching. And the power of God was with Jesus. And they had no clue that this is the Messiah. 
This is the one in Hebrew it says that he had smicha, which means the anointing was with him. Remember the place where it says, you speak like someone who has authority? That's the, that's the Jesus we're talking about. And so they're right there next to him, listening to him, just trying to trap him into something. And he's there with the power of God. Later we're going to find out that they end up knowing that the power of God is with him. Because that which is on the inside will eventually come out. And even though they were with the wrong reasons, they're going to eventually find out because of divine interruption. They're going to find out that the power of God is with him. And we'll talk about it as well. But this is where we're finding ourselves in. And so Jesus is teaching. He knows they're there for the wrong reasons. It's not just Pharisees. He teaches there are other people there as well. And all of a sudden, the scripture tells us that there is this guy. He is paralyzed. He is on the bed. And there are people carrying him because he had heard that this person who God is using in an amazing way, whether or not he knew that this is the savior of the world, he knew that there's something different about him. And that was his moment. And so they're carrying him. And I can just imagine him going, trying the front entrance. But it says that it was packed. There was people everywhere. They couldn't go in. And so they're thinking to themselves, hmm, what am I, I going to do? Like, we need to find another way. He probably went to the back door, uh, peeked to the window, and people everywhere. So he's, he's realizing this is ain't going to happen. Like, I was late. You know, I mean, maybe because he needs to be dressed, maybe the people who told him we're going to come and carry you were late. Whatever the reason is, they're finding themselves in the pickle, so to speak. Because they can't get in. And so, Jesus is in the house, and they're all listening to Jesus. And so, Jesus is there. And I want you to picture this morning that there is a lot of people around him. Um, in Jewish culture, they usually would sit on the floor, um, and they will cross their legs and talk, face each other, usually in a circle. And in the middle somewhere, uh, it, it's the, the teacher. And so all of these Pharisees are going there around him, listening to Jesus, because they want to trap him, you know. And so I don't think they really liked what they listened to. They were there with the wrong motives. But there is someone on the outside trying to get in. I don't know if we really realize the life of a paralytic, especially back in the day, because you need to be dressed, you need to be, someone needs to give you a bath, someone needs to feed you unless you can move your hands. I don't know how paralyzed he was, but he definitely couldn't walk, he didn't, couldn't go to the bathroom, they had an outhouse, uh, so somebody needed to help him with all of that. He couldn't work, he was probably a beggar, and he must have felt like a bother, like he was a heavy burden for others because he was totally dependent on people. He was totally dependent on other people to help him. And he probably got tired of asking other people for help all the time. And even if those people were really nice and they would be like, Joseph, it's okay, it's okay, we're here for you. I mean, at one point, wouldn't you feel like it's just too much? And he's probably thinking, is this what my life is going to be like? I'm going to be totally dependent on people all the time. But this time, and I know that for a fact, he's tell, he tells himself, I'm not going to be denied. I'm tired of this. 
because this Jesus is my only hope. I heard that he can perform miracles. Front door, no. Let's go to the back. How about the window? Well, it's packed. So they're thinking, they're probably telling him, I think we gotta go back. And he's like, nope. I don't know if we have that kind of a desperation because this, his desperation was to get close to Jesus. And so in his heart, he had this resolve, I'm not gonna be denied today. Nope, I'm not gonna be denied today. I'm getting close to Jesus. So what are we going to do? They literally went to the roof. They literally raised the roof. <laughs> right? They literally raised the roof. So I want you to imagine them, and they probably were talking on the outside, and Jesus is there, and Jesus knows everything, so he probably knows because Jesus sends desperation. Jesus knows when there's a desperate heart. Jesus knows when I, when I want to get next to, him, next to you, uh, close to him. He knows that. And so they're going, and he's, I don't even think he needed to talk to him into this too long. I don't think he needed to uh, give them a whole sermon on that because they were probably also hoping, I hope this is his day because we are, tired of helping, we, we, we have lives, he's kind of heavy, or whatever the, the, the reason is. So somehow, the Bible doesn't say how they got on the roof. They got on the roof, and so they're going to remove tiles. They're literally raising the roof. And so they removed a lot of tiles, because this passage of Scripture tells us that they suspended him with the bed. So they're going there, right? I just, just got to step close. I don't want to crack those tiles because the owner, we need to pay. So what are we doing? Are we wrapping him around the neck? You're crazy. Shut up. We got to use the bed. Are you serious? Yes. Do you know how many tiles? Shut up, man. Do it. Do you want to do this tomorrow? No, this is his day. He's getting healed as far as I'm concerned. So they need to remove a lot of tiles because they need to suspend the whole bed, guys. This is what the Bible says. So they're carrying a rope, or they found a rope, go get to the store. I'm not coming back with him in this condition. So you can just imagine them, they're slowly suspending him, right? And there's this suspension coming down. And even it was like, leveled, leveled. You're doing it too fast. He's going to drop on Jesus' head slowly. Don't tell me what you're doing. Shut up, be quiet. And they're slowly suspending him. After they raised the roof, and they removed probably hundreds of tiles because this thing needed to be big, guys, for the whole bed. And it's heavy. And they're probably thinking, something's going to snap, man. All those Pharisees there. It's going to be great. <laughs> so they're suspending him, and they're making sure this is leveled, right? I don't know when they heard something, maybe when they were removing the tiles, but I want you to imagine this situation where Jesus is there and he's teaching, right? By the way, if Jesus is there and he's teaching, you know what they were having? They were having church. Because that's what it is. Two, three more people gathered in Jesus' name, he's teaching, they're actually having church. And in church, someone is raising the roof. <laughs> right? And so they're suspending this, and I bet you someone noticed something. It went something like this. Jesus is talking. He's talking about, about the kingdom of God uh, and the will of God. And maybe 
why he came on earth and whatever his message was. I'm sure they were captivated, at least some of them. Others were like this, and they're trying to uh, get him on something and trip him up, and all of a sudden, there's an elbow. John, shut up, man, Jesus is talking. John, no, I don't want to, the Pharisees are here. Look up. What? Dude, just look up. Man, don't interrupt me. Hey, look, what? Man, you do this all the time. Just look up. No, I won't. Trust me. Fine. Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. I can't believe what I'm saying. Didn't I tell you? Man, what is going on up there? Just shut up. No, you shut up. You look up. Well, look dead. Fine. Jesus, Joseph, and Mary. I can't believe what's happening. And this thing is coming down, right? So all of a sudden, someone is thinking. Someone is thinking, this thing is coming down, ain't going nowhere. Because when you're desperate to get close to Jesus, you're willing to do anything, including something crazy. You don't care about culture. You don't care about customs. You don't care if you're going to look indignified. You just want to get close to Jesus. And you're telling, this is my day, and I'm not going to get denied. I'm raising the roof this morning. I'm not going to get denied. I, I'm going to get close to Jesus. But there was this divine interruption. And what everyone is asking themselves is, what's Jesus going to do? Right? They're noticing it. They're like, snap, I can't believe these guys are so crazy. And this thing is coming down and Jesus is talking. I believe Jesus is talking on purpose. I believe Jesus knows what is happening. Because when he went and talked to the woman at the well, he told her her life. And she was like, well, I think you're a prophet. Duh. I created the prophets, right? <laughs> yeah, welcome to my world, right? <coughs> and she was desperate, and he tells her, the water I'm going to give you, it's just, it's phenomenal. You're never going to get thirsty again. It, it's all about me. And so if in this service is all about Jesus, at one point, whoever noticed, this is this crazy bet with a guy coming down, leveled, perfect, but at one point, you just can't, you, you can't hide it. Regardless of how quiet you are, regardless of how you want to do it, at one point, you're raising the roof and somebody's going to notice. And the question is, what's Jesus' reaction? This thing is coming probably eye level. And Jesus, the master that he is, he's, he's, he's absolutely the best of seizing the teaching moment, teachable moment. And, and making a point, right? And so, I'm reading this and I'm like, this is, just, this, is, this is just amazing, right? He's teaching there. There is this guy, he's so desperate. He's not going to be denied. He's seizing the opportunity. The people who are helping him are absolutely in it because they know this is going to turn out to be a blessing for them as well and for their friend. So they're going along, they're doing this crazy thing. They don't even care, it's not their house there. They're removing the tiles, they probably broke a few. They're, they're like, oh, we're gonna have to cover the, the, you know, the cost and whatever. But this is it, Jesus is down there. We, we're just gonna, no door, no problem. No window, no problem. So they're there. And in the middle of the service, I'm thinking when we were going through the COVID thing, I was, uh, I was, on a, I was on staff at a church and we were talking about 
about COVID and, and how, how you're going to do service, how you're going to do church during COVID. And if there's one thing that we learned and every pastor learned is COVID didn't really do anything. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that because you have churches who have lost a lot of people, a lot of members, especially churches who decided to be closed. And there are churches who were basically bankrupt because they didn't have people, didn't have time and no money for salaries or whatever the, the reason was. And, and sometimes, and some pastors would say, you know, well, this is what happened during COVID and COVID really hit us hard. What was actually realized was that COVID didn't really do anything. It simply brought to the service that which was there already. Right? Because if you are a church that walks in fear, you just didn't know that that's what it is. But when COVID came, it, came, it brought to the surface and it, was, became, it became abundantly clear that the way you lead, the way you pastor, or the way you run your church, or a business for that matter, that you tend to caution too much and that you probably walk in fear. On the other hand, there were churches and ours was one of those who just, we're just not going to be denied to be with Jesus. And whether that is with the law or against the law, whether that is popular or not, we're just going to have church people, right? We're just going to get together. We're going to raise the roof and we're going to worship Jesus and we're going to walk in, in, in boldness and not in fear. And so the character, the boldness of the leadership of this church the vision of Pastor Jake was brought up to the service. It was always there. I know him. I, I consider him a close friend now. And I can tell you that he's crazy for Jesus. Hallelujah. And he's a courageous man. And I really, I really appreciate that about him. But what happened is COVID brought to the surface a big divide that Pastor Jake was talking about last Sunday that became clear. And I want you to understand my heart in what I'm saying. There were a lot of churches, and those are the churches that tend to be more liberal, who decided to go on the side of caution, which I believe in many ways was fear, and decided to be closed or to do just online. And again, everyone makes their own decisions. But for the most part, the conservative churches, Bible-believing churches decided to be open, to not allow anything to stop them, and decided to just walk in faith. Again, no judgment. Everyone decides how to lead. And, and how to proceed. That is up to every leader and every pastor. But that was one of the big revelations we received. Another revelation, another understanding that COVID simply brought to the surface, it was more of a reminder, was this. All of a sudden, we have all these restrictions. A lot of churches don't have enough money because people are not coming. How do you do church? You need money for this. You need money for that. All of a sudden, you online, you don't have this experience. You're thinking about using technology and you're thinking how we're going to do our program because all of a sudden things have changed a lot. And what churches realized, and it was really just brought to the service, and I, and I believe that the Lord revealed that to us, is that a lot of our churches in America were thinking about program and not about people. And so COVID helped churches to realize that they need to switch the one P with the other, that the focus needs to be on people and not on a program. 
So the question is, Jesus is here, and he's teaching, and there's this suspension from, from the ceiling, and, and there's this crazy person who just wants to be next to Jesus, and he's disturbing the program. He's disturbing the service. So what is Jesus gonna do? Is he gonna scold him? Is he gonna say, what are you doing interrupting me? Do you know who I am? I'm the son of God. What are you doing? This is my service. I thought he would scold him and maybe say something about, well, you know, this is not your house, really. And what you did is just really bad. It's, it's so tasteless. It is so inconsiderate because, you know, you're breaking the roof of the person and that is so rude and so obnoxious or whatever else Jesus wanted to say to him. Or he could have said, why didn't you knock on the door? I mean, back in the day, I split the sea. I can tell the people to split up and remove and make room for you. Why do they have to go to the roof? And so the question is, what's Jesus going to do? Let's continue reading. And let's see what Jesus decided to do. And so we read in verse 20. And when he saw their faith, he said, Men, your sins are forgiven you. Wow. Jesus sees, suspended in the air, this bed with this paralyzed person. He's disturbing his service. This is this unwelcome interruption. And Jesus looks at him and he decides as people of a program. And he decides this person is more important than anything else. Does that sound familiar? He sees his desperation. He knows that this person is not going to get denied. And he actually praises him. And he says, listen, man, your sins have been forgiven. He saw their faith and he praised them. Them who suspended him and him, the paralyzed person, plural, all of them. And he says, bravo, this is what I'm talking about. This is faith. Totally different than what I would have expected. And because he said that, Jesus heard them. This is verse, no, I'm going to have a different one. Let's look at Mark 2, 17. This is what Mark 2, 17 says. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well, have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. You see, it's been in, in Scripture all the time. Scripture tells us people of a program all the time. Jesus says, I'm here for the sick, not for, not for those who don't need a doctor. I'm here for people. My business is I'm here for people. And Jesus says, I'm here for this guy. I came all you wanted to listen to me, wanted to trap me. You traveled all this far away. Thank you. I feel very blessed by that. But I know in your hearts that you're not here for the right reasons. But this person is suspended like a crazy guy from the ceiling. He came right through the roof. He raised the roof. And I am here for those kind of people. I'm here for those who are sick, those who need my healing. Those who need me. Jesus put it into perspective. So we're realizing all along that this is what Jesus is here for. 
So obviously, of course, he would welcome this interruption of his service. Are we aware of those moments in our lives where God just wants to interrupt us for whatever reason? Because Jesus knew his desperation. He knew that this person wasn't going to be denied. I believe Jesus knew from how long was going to happen. I call those divine interruptions. And I think our lives, I think our church services are filled with divine interruptions. Are we aware and are we willing to open our eyes and see that? You see, that's why months ago we put these banners of prayer. And every third day before service, we tell people, you can go there and there at any time. You can go there during, during worship. Because if you feel this divine interruption, the Holy Spirit is telling you, you got to go and pray. Pastor J.K. ain't going to tell you, who are you to disturb the service? No. Why? People over program. That's why they're there. And I welcome you at any moment when you feel you need to pray for somebody. If you need prayer yourself, we'd love to pray for you at any moment. Just raise the roof of desperation and just come to Jesus. And you're going to find someone who loves you, who's going to pray for you. This is a divine interruption. You remember how many times people have come and somebody will go to Pastor Jake and say, I have a word, and he'll welcome that person and say, yeah, because the Lord wants to speak to us at this moment. This is a divine interruption. You know what happens a lot of times in our lives? We play church, and I'm not saying about our church, but generally speaking, and if we are not careful, then we can allow things to just go, just for us to go to the motions. And, and COVID showed us that we can do church as business as usual, which is, which is really not a good thing. And God uses those divine interruptions all the time. I remember Moses was walking in the desert, and all of a sudden he sees this burning bush. And he sees it, and he's like, oh, that's interesting. That's something you don't see every day. And God interrupted his everyday life. He interrupted the what is it called, the monotony of his life, the grayness, the grayness of his life, every day, bah, desert, sand, heat, right? And all of a sudden, he sees something he hasn't seen, and God uses that. This is his divine interruption. He, he, he gives him a burning bush to stop him in his tracks. He said, well, that's interesting. That's curious. And God spoke to him, and he called him. You guys remember the story of Jesus who... And I gave the example, talk to the woman at the well. He must have been gone there. She must have been gone there for hundreds of times to get water probably every day. But this time it was different because Jesus was there. And all of a sudden she goes there, she has no clue what's going to happen. And Jesus interrupts her life. This is a divine interruption where, Jesus, where she encounters Jesus and he tells her something that's going to radically change her life forever. Those divine interruptions are everywhere in Scripture. We just haven't really seen them all the time. Why? Because people have a program. God loves people. You matter to people. I remember going to, um, back in the day, when I used to be a, a youth pastor, I had a bunch of kids that uh, loved skateboarding, and I would drive them to church, after church to the skate park, and they would skate. And I remember one time I was walking around, and I was praying, and I was observing them. And this kid comes to me 
with his skateboard and he asked me, hey, what's your name? And he starts telling me his story and he says, you know, um, I found out recently that I have cancer. And he doesn't know me. I've never met him before. I have no idea why he opened his heart to a stranger. I mean, I could be some creep there or whatever, right? But he opens his heart and he tells me about his sickness, about the cancer, and he's going to go into uh, chemotherapy. And you know how spiritual I was? I just said, oh, I'm so, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. And we talked a little bit. I don't even remember his name. I was there with my boys. We left. We jumped into the youth van. We, we drive home. And probably about 20, 30 minutes later, I'm driving, going back to the church where the parents are going to pick them up. It dawns on me. And I'm thinking, snap. I had this wonderful opportunity to share with this kid about Jesus. And all I did was, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, duh. Right? And I just totally missed it. That was a divine interruption of my life. When the Lord sent me a kid that I can tell him about Jesus, say, and even just say, hey, can I pray for you? I felt so bad that I missed it because I was too busy of doing the same thing every day. And so I decided, I prayed, I repented. I said, God, please give me another chance. Next Sunday, we went to the same park. Guess what? The kid wasn't there. And I, and I felt the Lord spoke to me. And he said, Mario, don't you worry about him. I have plenty of people who are willing. But what about you? And it, wasn't, it was this fatherly voice where I really felt convicted, but in a good way. Because he said, don't worry, I will take care of him. But this is a, a learning experience for you. Are you going to be open? And a, a weight came off my shoulders and I felt like, and I, and I believed that the Lord is going to take care of him. But about a month ago, I was in the teacher's room. It's, we, we call it the Oasis. The students are not um, allowed to be there. And I'm preparing my lunch, and there's this lady, a teacher. I don't really know her name. I've met her just a few times because she's a teacher of like K and first and second grade. So we don't really have any overlap at all. And I'm, and I'm and just, hi, and how you doing? Just small talk like that. And I'm getting my food ready, and I'm turning around, and I stopped, and I looked towards her, and I said, is everything okay? And she looked at me and said, oh yeah, everything is fine. No. And I said, I'm so sorry, can I just pray for you? And she said, yes. I said, do you mind if I lay my hand on you? And she said, absolutely, no, please do. So I laid my hands on her, and I just prayed for her, that the Lord knows what she is going through, but I told her that the Lord knows that he loves her, that he will take care of it. She looks at me almost crying, and she says, I've been trying to put on this mask all day, and I've, been and I've been faking it, and I've been smiling it. How did you know? And I said, I had no idea. I think it was the Holy Spirit. And I said, I just want you to know that I felt the Lord stop me and turn around, not, not, not out of curiosity, uh, but because God loves you enough to stop someone to pray for you. And I said, I just want this to be an encouragement for you. God knows what you're going through. God cares for you. God loves you. Everything's going to be okay. And just big smile on her face. And I left. And ever since, we've been like best friends. Because I learned my lesson. There is people over program. That when I feel the nudge of the Holy Spirit, I need to stop and ask the person, can I pray for you? If I feel a word, I need to say it. Because if I am not the one, God's going to find someone else. God's going to find a rock to speak. But why not be me? 
Why not be you? We ask ourselves and we want God to do a miracle. Well, the miracle is going to happen during the divine interruption. We want a revival. Revival happens when we align ourselves and say, God, it's not about me. It's not my program. You are the captain. I remember Pastor, Pastor Jake has said at least a few times, hi, hi, captain. He does it on purpose because he wants to teach us something. This house is the house of the Lord. And if the Holy Spirit leads us a, a certain direction, we need to say, yes, sir. Because people of a program, because the leading of the Holy Spirit <coughs> is the most important thing. Can I have a bottle of water, please? And so <coughs> what we need to understand is that so many times we want the Lord to move. We are desperate for his move. We're desperate for revival. And what I'm learning more and more when I study the word of God is that he uses these divine interruptions to stop us in his tracks. And he's saying, you want a miracle? You got to be able to do this. You got to be able to lay down your program. You got to be able to lay down your agenda. You got to be able to say, whatever I plan, that's fine. But Holy Spirit, I'm open to you. And whatever you want to do, this is your church. That's why we have the banners. That's why we have people who feel the Lord is leading them to give a word of prophecy, give a word of encouragement, give a word to the church. This is church, people. This is supposed to be normal. This is how church is supposed to be. You know what we do? Do you know what we do? We come to church, and I'm me included, okay? Hi, how are you? How are you? How are you? And we greet each other and we go to the church and then we put our coat and we look for the countdown and then we come and, and we sing a few songs and some people go like this, some people go like that and then, oh, this is a good song. Oh, I've heard this song about five, six times. They should change the song. Well, you know what they do? And then we finish worship and then we go, oh, how are you? Oh, how are you? Oh, how are you? Oh, how are you? And then we have a service and then we have the message and some people are like that and some people take notes and then, and then the word goes and everybody goes home, Right? Same thing, again and again and again and again and again. If you're not careful, this is what happens. And all of a sudden, God comes in. Stop! It's about people. It's about the Holy Spirit living and moving. Come and ask for prayer. Come and share a word. Go crazy for Jesus. Come close. Lay down on the floor. Whatever you feel that God is telling you to do, whatever you feel the Lord is leading you to do, do it because it's all about Him and it's all about people. Embrace those interruptions. Be crazy for Jesus. Say, God, this is your house. I'm all yours. And whatever you're telling me to do, I will do. And this is when the miracles will come. When we embrace the interruptions. And when we say, yes, we are coming. We are ready. We have a program. We have prepared. We have rehearsed. And then if God says something, we need to say, hi, hi, yes, sir. This is your house. And the revival will come and the miracles will come when the suspension comes and all of our eyes are, I'm going to do what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. That's how the miracles are going to come. You matter to God. Jesus would have, could have scolded people. Jesus could have said many things. But what he decided to do that surprised everyone was this. Hey, you have faith. Now you're healed. And then we read in the next verses. Verse 21. And the scribes and the Pharisees, 
began questioning, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise and pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been laying and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and they were filled with awe and saying, we have seen an extraordinary thing today. The reason why they saw an extraordinary thing is because Jesus welcomed this divine interruption. And he said, this is about people and this is about me glorifying my Father. Because the power of God is upon me to heal people and nothing is going to stop me. And everyone who says, I'm not going to be denied today is welcome into my kingdom. And everyone who says, I'm desperate for Jesus to get close to him, he's more than welcome in this house. This is what's all about, folks. And so they're looking there, trying to trap him, and they're saying, how can he say that? And Jesus says, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to perform a miracle? Some theologians say that it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because you can't really see if the person's sins are forgiven or not. It's more difficult to say, rise up, you're healed because if the person is paralyzed, if they can't get up, then this whole thing is fake. I would say both of them are easy for Jesus. Right? And in this house, you're welcome here, and there will always be an altar call so that your sins are wiped away, but you're also welcome to experience the miracle of God, which is absolutely easy for Him, not for us, but it's all about Him. They're both easy. Do you believe that this morning? I believe it. But I want to tell you, you matter to God. You are important to Him. And some of you need to hear the message that Jesus is here for you. He's not here for a program. He's not here for us to play church. You can raise the roof and He'll be more than happy and tell you, good job, my son. Good job, my daughter. I see your heart. I see your desperation. I see your faith. People around you might see you as silly or indignant, but Jesus will say, good job. This is how important you are to God. He has a plan for you. Young people, you're not here by accident. God has a plan for you. He has a plan for you. He has an amazing future for every one of you. You matter to God. You're not a number. You're not just a file. You're not just a case. You're a person with a name that was created in the image of God. And He died for you on the cross and you matter to Him. He is willing to stop a service. He is willing to do anything when He sees that you want to walk and get close to Him. Because Jesus came for the sick. He came for people, not for program. The program of this church is whatever the Holy Spirit wants us to do. Hallelujah. Jesus is so good. I want to share with you two more scriptures. After all of this happened, and they say this is an extraordinary thing that we saw today. Hmm. Paul says to us, in 1 Corinthians 14, I'm almost done, 26 to 28. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, 
Each one of you has a hymn or a word of instruction or revelation, a tongue on interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at least three should speak one at a time and someone must interpret. And there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Paul takes this as a, something normal. He says, if there is a divine interruption, because you can't plan for those things. Pastor Jay cannot say, well, I know this person is going to prophesy. I know this person is going to... This happens in the moment. What Paul says is when this happens, this is how it needs to happen. But he expects it. He expects that during service, God's going to show up in a different way. He expects that someone's going to raise the roof and someone's going to come and share a word. This is expected. This is how the early church functioned. And this is how we need to function. And look at what he says next. Two or three prophets should speak. This is 1 Corinthians 14, 29, 33. And others should weigh carefully what it is. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you call, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone must be instructed and encouraged. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the, to the control of the prophet. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And is an all congregation of the Lord's people. You see, Paul says, God is a God of order. So if God is a God of order, why should not just come and be, hello, hello, how are you? And come and have worship and, and then word and then leave. Because this is not about our order, it's about His order. And when the divine interruption comes, and I am not willing to welcome the divine interruption, then I'm being disorderly. Because I'm interrupting His order. It's about His order, not mine. So when somebody comes here and Pastor Jake says, Yes, Lord. Yes, Captain. You have a word, share it. This is order because this is how God planned it. Why am I saying all of these things? We're going to the application part. In retrospect, I'm sure that every one of us can remember those divine interruptions that the Lord has brought into our lives. And the question is, were we obedient to do what God wanted us to do? And if not, you're in the same boat as me, guilty as charged. But today is a new day. Today is a new opportunity for us to come and to welcome the interruption that God brings into our lives. Because in those moments, we can be woken up and realize that we are here to serve the Lord and that we need to welcome those interruptions to serve Him and to realize His people of a program. You see, you have people in your work that God has brought into your job for a reason. And they came to talk to you around the water cooler. They came to talk to you when you were eating lunch and you probably didn't realize it, just like I did, didn't, which is okay. But we need to have our spiritual eyes open. And when the Lord brings those interruptions in our lives, those are the moments for the miraculous. Those are the moments when we get to be used by God in a, in a way we had never, ever, ever imagined. I call those also suspensions of grace. Because it is by God's grace that I get to be used. When this suspension came with the sick person, God brought to us a revelation that Jesus is there for people. I don't deserve those revelations. So this bed that came down was a suspension of grace 
that I need to welcome into my life and understand that those interruptions that come, the suspensions of grace, when God is saying, I want to include you into my kingdom, I want to use you, would you partner with me? Would you welcome those and say, yes, Lord, I'm going to be obedient. But we need to be people with open eyes to say, I am here, Lord, speak to me, use me. On a Sunday morning, come with expectation. Come prepared, lay down, go and ask for prayer. At any moment, I'm encouraged you to do that. Be open to the Holy Spirit, to the move of the Spirit. Whenever you have a word, an encouragement, whatever you have, be ready. And look what the Lord is going to do. When you go to work, welcome the interruptions and say, God, I am here, use me to speak to someone, to pray for someone. It's not the pastor's job, it's your job and my job to be used wherever we go. And if we are open to those interruptions, and if you want to be used by the Holy Spirit, then watch what God can do. Watch how our cities and our communities are going to be turned around for Jesus. They're going to be win, they're going to be one for the kingdom. And the last interruption I want to give today is to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus. That is the most important interruption of your life. If you have never accepted Jesus, this is the Jesus of the Bible who's here for you because you matter. The Bible says that He died on the cross for your sins and He welcomes you into His kingdom. All you need to do is accept Him as a personal Lord and Savior and say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. You died on the cross for my sins. Please forgive me, welcome me into your kingdom. I would like to invite every one of us to close our eyes, to bow head. And I want to ask you if you are one of those people who say, Mario, I think this is me. Please feel free to raise your hand and someone will give you a book and say, you know what? I'm here. I would like to accept Jesus. I think this is me. This is your moment. Don't let it pass by. This is your divine interruption. This is the moment when you know that you matter to God. Don't let this holy moment pass you by. Let's all repeat this prayer together. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God, that you died on the cross for my sins, and you were risen on the third day. Please forgive me of my sins. Make me a new person. I repent and accept you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for making me a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen.